A new film, No Way Back, The Reality of Gender-Affirming Care, has been silenced by the trans activist movement. Curiously, the producer behind the film is not a straight heterosexual. The producer is a pro-gay activist. Next, we turn to a new trend in university funding. That trend is to defund university DEI administrators and get back to the business of instruction advancing higher education, with a de-emphasis on identity politics. And finally, we listen to the story of a young North Korean defector, Yeonmi Park, and her experience on the woke Columbia University campus. These stories and our Pride Month Out of Touch Awards. All in today's edition of Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lines, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars, with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired, so tired. We're really excited here at Narrative Wars. We're about to hit our 2,000th download. 2,000. Yeah, great job, everybody. Yeah, okay, all right, enough of that. Thank you. And that's because of you, our committed listeners. Hey, we understand that Americans are busy people, and uh, we really are humbled when you choose to both listen to and share this program with two or three like-minded friends. That's how we get the word out. Uh, regarding this program. So uh, we're going to reach that uh, next goal of 2,000 downloads very soon. Thanks that you can be a part of that. Uh, And if you've enjoyed listening to this program, please five-star rate, like, and follow on your favorite podcast app. Uh, You can also send us feedback and suggestions for future programs by emailing us at feedback at narrativewars.org. That's feedback at narrativewars.org. And now we move on with today's program. All right, in this first story, we're going to take a look at uh, the film No Way Back. It's a documentary film uh, called No Way Back, The Reality of Gender-Affirming Care. And uh, here's the short description of the film on their website, nowaybackfilm.com. Without diagnostic clarity or mental health evaluations, their doctors quickly affirmed them as transgender and mindlessly ushered them along the path of medical transition, so-called gender-affirming care, the only treatment recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics. These young people were harmed, injected with powerful compounds, and surgically altered, irrevocably changed, and turned into lifelong pharmaceutical customers by the doctors they trusted. Let's take a listen to this first cut. Just felt like I was excited to be alive. And then I got up and went and looked in the mirror and just that happiness was like crushed. Based on the information that I had, that medical transition is by far the best treatment and that you are at risk for suicide if you don't follow that path. I thought I only really had one path that I could take. I became alarmed back in 2019 after I realized I was seeing more kids with gender dysphoria and every single one I referred to the gender clinic was being transitioned. So it's often said that puberty blockers are um, reversible, but the majority of children who are started on puberty blockers, over 95%, go on to take cross-sex hormones. Puberty blockers cannot be considered a standalone intervention. If it worked, I'd be very open to it. It's like putting diesel in the petrol tank. There was a study looking at the Swedish population of those who had transitioned that found that those who had transitioned had suicide rates 19 times higher than population-matched controls. Puberty blockers followed by cross-sex hormones. The fact they're being offered outside of clinical trials, despite the fact there's so much unknown about long-term risk, is a scandal in and of itself. It's up to us on the left to walk this back. I want liberals 
to make room for gender diversity. And that includes masculine girls and feminine boys without telling them that they need to leave their sex category because they are different. Like I said, I have to now live with what I've done. These doctors and therapists put me through this. They had no reason to except for the fact that I said it. They had no reason to put me through this except for the fact that I said it. So there was no clinical test. There there was no uh, lengthy process or even partial process of working with a counselor for weeks, months. In fact, uh, I listened to a recent um, program which uh, featured Dr. Jordan Peterson, and he said he if he had someone coming to them with gender dysphoria at, a, at an early age, he'd work them, with them for at least six months before making any sort of recommendation to go through uh, gender transition, uh, hormone blockers, uh, any type of surgery. Six months, that's what he recommended. But we're hearing that these people with no counseling at all just were pushed into the whole gender-affirming care agenda, which is to give them the hormone blockers, later on move on to the surgery, and to medically castrate them and to transition them in, into something, which at the end of the day, it's going to turn them into lifelong patients, lifelong drug addicts in one sense that will be taking these uh, drugs uh, in order to maintain what the body really is rejecting. Well, this movie, and again, the movie is No Way Back, The Reality of Gender Affirming Care, it was scheduled to premiere at AMC theaters throughout the United States of America and to break out on June the 21st. Now, it never happened. So this is very interesting. Again, No Way Back was canceled in the AMC theaters. And uh, taking a look at this uh, article uh, that came out in the post-millennial, it says, a film made by liberal filmmakers exploring concerns about medical sex changes for children has had its showings canceled by AMC. The film No Way Back, The Reality of Gender-Affirming Care was made by liberals who are, quote, as suspicious and critical of the far right, unquote, as they are of the left. But even their leftist bona fides aren't enough, or were not enough, to keep the film from cancellation. Now, the producer of the film, Vera Linder, she is from East Germany. Uh, that's where she's from before she emigrated to the U.S. over 20 years ago. She spoke to Post Millennial about the film, and here's what she had to say. Uh, she and the director are actually pro-gay. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. And they even have gay children, but they believe that, quote, transgender ideology is a corporate construct for profit. Now, this is quite an interesting turn of events here. We're used to hearing pushback against gender ideology from those on the political right. But this is someone on the political left, uh, pro-gay with gay children. Um, that's the producer of the film, Vera Lindner. And she uh, is saying that transgender ideology is a corporate construction for profit. So a, a number of uh, interesting facts and, and takeaways here. No Way Back, The Reality of Gender-Affirming Care. Uh, again, it was scheduled for June 21st. It's been canceled. And so according to the film website, uh, which is nowaybackfilm.com, if you, you know, want to check it out, it says that they're working on streaming and DVD distribution. So, you know, this sort of cancellation uh, by the political left, this is, has been taking place for years against the right. And anytime the right challenged the narrative, you could look at all sorts of different um, topic areas. Uh, the area that comes to mind quickly is, is COVID and how to treat it and what medicines to use. And if you went against the narrative uh, from the political left, well, that would be canceled. And uh, 
the other example is just the questioning of the 2020 election. Was it a fair election? And that was discussed in a prior episode of Narrative Wars. And uh, tens of thousands of videos were canceled on YouTube. However, YouTube is now allowing that to go forward. So we're, we're tracking that. But uh, to get back to this film, uh, this is one of the first times I've seen something come out uh, from the political left, uh, which has been canceled in a major way. I mean, it kind of caught them flat-footed. Uh, the producer, writer, and production company, they're not right-wing activists. The film is produced by pro-gay adults who are critical thinkers, and they see the destruction behind the transgender narrative. So the transgender activists hate liberals and gays who question the pro-transgender talking points. Let's consider this. In other words, if you're gay you're not allowed to question the trans narrative. That's why the letter T was added to the political LGB movement. Now, it wasn't always LGBT, and now it's LGBTQ, and, and then plus is for whatever else comes along the next month. According to Salon.com, sometime late in, in the late 90s, a few gay rights groups and activists started using a new acronym, LGBT, adding T for transgender slash transsexual. And that's when today's trouble started. This is really interesting because this is Salon, which is not exactly a, a right-wing publication. And uh, they're saying when the T was added to LGB, then trouble started. Again, this is Salon pushing back. So that's kind of a surprise to me. I don't know if it's a surprise to you folks, but I didn't expect to find that. The trans activist narrative has been going on for the last 20 years. So sometime in the late 90s, up until now, we're in 2023. So last 20 years, plus a few more years change. Most of America wasn't aware of the fact that this trans train was uh, pushing ahead, pulling into their town. But now, move forward to 2023. The trouble is reaching a boiling point. The trouble that Salon.com referred to, the T community in LGBT. It's reaching a boiling point when even the gay community is pushing back on the trans narrative. So, again... It's got to be really bad when you've got this kind of infighting uh, within the LGB community, the T against the LG and the B. Uh, we're going to continue to watch this story, especially after the movie No Way Back, uh, the reality of gender-affirming care comes out. Well, moving on to our next story, uh, it, we've got a story which is featuring the university's uh, a number of universities in the country, uh, but we're going to just take a look at two of them, but uh, it may be as high as 12 universities which have now uh, initiated uh, defunding of uh, DEI, that's Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, uh, officers on the um, campus of universities. But we're just going to take a look at two universities right now and how this trend is rolling out. Uh, across the United States. Again, this is just talking about state universities. Governor Ron DeSantis declared the whole experiment with DEI is coming to an end as he signed new legislation targeting state universities. Let's take a listen to this. When the taxpayers are funding these institutions, that we as Floridians and we as taxpayers have every right to insist uh, that they are following a mission that is consistent with the best interests of our people and our state. Uh, you don't just get to take taxpayer dollars and do whatever the heck you want to do and think that that's somehow okay. So this bill says uh, the whole experiment with DEI uh, is coming to an end in the state of Florida. We are eliminating the DEI programs. Uh, we are going to treat people as individuals. Uh, we're not going to treat people as members of groups. And it's also wrong how this has been implemented 
It has been discriminatory. This has basically been used as a veneer to impose an ideological agenda, uh, and that is wrong. And in fact, if you look at the way this has actually been implemented across the country, uh, DEI is, is better um, viewed as standing for discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrination, and that has no place in our public institutions. So that story on USA Today, May 16, 2023. Well, a couple of points here. Florida is leading the charge by defunding DEI in universities. That's uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Florida is leading the charge by defunding DEI in universities, and that's diversity, equity, inclusion programs in state universities. Now, Florida lawmakers, once again, they need to be applauded for taking action and writing and passing this bill. All right. Good job. Good job, Florida lawmakers. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Thanks. The political left in Florida university system, hey, they're going to fight back, and the fight is not over. So... They really need to. The Florida lawmakers need to see that this is going to be carried out because universities are large. Uh, You can just play the shell game and you can move the DEI people around to other departments. You can call it something else, but the ideology can still be there. And so they're going to have to do some follow-up due diligence uh, in order to continue to track this story. All right, let's take a look at this related story. University of Wisconsin could lose $32 million over diversity initiatives. Oh, that's got to hurt. Uh, Republicans in the Wisconsin State Assembly could cut millions of dollars in funding from the University of Wisconsin amid an ongoing fight over diversity and inclusion programs. Uh, let's take a listen to this cut. Uh, and unpack this further. The Wisconsin State Legislature could cut millions in dollars of funding from the University of Wisconsin amid an ongoing fight over diversity and inclusion programs. Republican lawmakers say they want to cut $32 million from the school system's budget. They estimate that's how much is used to fund diversity initiatives across the system's 13 campuses. So that story came out of CBS Chicago, which is in a different state. That's in Illinois. But apparently the University of Wisconsin, which is approximately an hour and a half away, within 100 miles, apparently that university is quite well known. I suppose there's a number of students at the University of Wisconsin that are from the state of Illinois. And so CBS Chicago covered that story. They covered it briefly, but they covered that story. So a couple takeaways here. This is how political movements begin. All right. Uh, In the first example, we we saw that Florida passed a law to defund DEI administrators um, in their state universities. And that was May uh, 16, 2023. Fast forward to June 14, 2023. Wisconsin state legislature is doing the same thing by cutting the University of Wisconsin DEI initiatives to the tune of $32 million. So um, this is how things gain momentum. One state makes a decision to do something which uh, becomes the leader, I suppose, the leader of the pack, the tip of the spear, however you want to think of it. And other uh, states around the country, they, they pick up on that, they, they look into it, People in their their constituents hear about the story and they decide to follow the trend. And uh, so this is what is going on. And I'm hearing that as many as 12 universities around the country are uh, have either passed or are considering uh, defunding of DEI initiatives in state universities. Of course, this, isn't, this is not going to apply to your private universities at all. And uh, your private universities, of course, that's where the some of the most prominent research is done, and that's where the biggest names are, your Harvard, your Yale, your Ivy League, those types of schools, big names. And so it's not going to affect those schools at all. But the point is, 
there's a difference being made here. The point is that DEI is on the chopping block. And so, you know, we want to continue to track this story also. Uh, there will be a battle, as I've mentioned, and this will probably go on to the courts. They'll find a way to somehow tie this up in the legal system. It hasn't come out yet, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, that, it, that it does somehow go into the courts. Uh, maybe they'll use uh, civil rights or some other uh, legal maneuver in order to contest this. So we're going to continue to follow this. Uh, again, it's the power of the purse. Florida and Wisconsin have the right idea, I believe, and other states need to follow their lead. Narrative Wars continues to expand its audience both in the United States and internationally. You can follow us on social media at Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Just search for at Jeffrey K. Lyons. That's at Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Arkham's first. I don't know why people misspell my names all the time and flip those letters. But anyway, that's at Jeffrey K. Lyons on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. You can also find us on our website, narrativewars.org. That's narrativewars.org. Uh, you'll find all your our past shows and connections to your favorite podcasting apps there on our website. Please five-star rate, follow, and tell two to three like-minded friends. That's how we're going to spread the word and continue to expand this community. We truly appreciate your support. You're the reason why we do this program. And now, let's continue. All right, let's continue with our next story, which uh, is Yonmi Park. Now, she has written a book called Wild Time Remains, North Korean Defectors Search for Freedom in America. Who is Yonmi Park? Well, she's a North Korean defector and author, and uh, she did defect from North Korea as a child with her mother. And uh, after uh, going to uh, China, she was rescued she walked across the Gobi Desert, and then she was able to make her way to South Korea. Eventually, she ended up in the United States of America, and she uh, attended Columbia University. So this is an amazing story, uh, but let's let her tell a bit of her own story here. Yeah, I was born in North Korea, and when I was 13 years old, we couldn't find any more dragon <laughs> flies or grasshoppers. That's what I ate to survive. Mm. And at 13, I was looking for a bowl of rice. So my mother and I escaped to China. As soon as I arrived in China, uh, I saw my mother being raped. Mm. And then they sold my mom into sex slavery for $65. Mm. And they sold me just over $20 because I was a virgin and child. Two years later in China, I met missionaries from South Korea and they told me that I could be free in South Korea. Mm. And we asked them, how do we do that? And he said, we can walk across a frozen Gobi Desert mm. into Mongolia from China. Mm. So we did that. And by some miracle, I survived in the desert. And from Mongolia, they helped me to go to South Korea. And that's how I became free. What a courageous young woman she was at the age of 13. She and her mother were starving. Uh, she mentioned that she was eating uh, dragonflies, grasshoppers, just to stay alive. But they ran out. They couldn't find enough to sustain life. So that's why they left. They were starving. And uh, she and her mother fled to China. Uh, they were captured. They were sold into sex slavery. Yeonmi was sold for about three times the price of her mother. I don't know if you caught that. She said it was because she was a child and a virgin. She was 13, and she saw her mother raped. What a horrific, horrific experience to go through. And then she mentioned that Christian missionaries uh, helped her. So somehow uh, there were South Korean Christian missionaries. They were in China, and they said she can get out, but that she had to walk across the Gobi Desert, and that is what she did. Um, so... She and her mother walked across the frozen Gobi Desert to reach South Korea when she finally became free. And so what does this tell us? Well, it tells us that the human spirit, it fights for life 
and it fights for liberty. Let's continue with her story as Yonmi Park continues to have this conversation. This was on uh, Fox Business with Larry Kudlow um, back February 15, 2023. I, you know, I didn't know it was, uh, Columbia used to be a very good, uh, you know, school, higher education institution. And you're saying it's a lot of drivel, a lot of nonsense. It's beyond nonsense. It's mm. a madness. Uh, what they're saying is they talk about oppression. They keep, keep telling me they're oppressed and America is horrible that we need to destroy this country. I was asking them, what about America that you hate so much? They say we have inequality in this country. Mm. In North Korea, we don't have inequality. We are dying from starvation. The sign of inequality means there's a room for a rise, that you can innovate, you can get rewarded. Like AOC says, what's yours is mine. That's what Columbia professor is saying. We need to steer from all these rich people and everything should be free and everything, we need to destroy the country in the name of equity mm-hmm. and fairness. And that same ideology made into North Korea what it is today. And that's why I escaped from that country. So that same ideology, she says, uh, that uh, the United States is not fair, we need to steal from the rich, uh, we need to have equity in the United States, that's the ideology uh, which permeated throughout the North Korean nation, and that was causing people to starve to death and die, and that's what drove Yeonmi out of North Korea and into China, and then finally into South Korea, where she was free. Well, she describes her time at Columbia University as madness, and she goes into more detail in her book, again, While Time Remains, North Korean Defectors Search for Freedom in America. And she compares the narrative at Columbia University to the North Korean communist propaganda. Again, the idea that America is a terrible country and that citizens of the USA have the right to demand uh, free commodities and services. She used the term uh, steal uh, from the rich. And so this is classic Marxism. Again, it's redistribution of wealth. It's class warfare. It's the haves and the have-nots. And it just doesn't work. Uh, It did not work, or it doesn't work in North Korea, where people are starving. And it is for some reason, uh, festering like an open wound, this ideology, uh, which will destroy the United States of America from the inside out if we don't curtail this sort of thinking. But it is uh, persists at Columbia University, and I really give her um, a lot of uh, kudos uh, for coming against this woke ideology. Uh, what a brave young woman Yonmi Park is. Well, we're going to move on to our Pride Month Out of Touch Awards. And this program, we're going to feature the it's sort of a what we're going to call a boycott wrap-up. And we've been hearing about a number of companies that were out of touch And uh, so this article, Daily Caller, June 16th, 2023, it highlights uh, three of the woke companies, which we've talked about, some of these more in depth than others on past editions of Narrative Wars. But major brands like Anheuser-Busch, which brews, puts out Bud Light, uh, Target, and Kohl's, the two big department stores, Target and Kohl's, and we've talked quite a bit about Target These three are featured in this particular article. Well, they've collectively taken a hit of $28 billion in losses following boycotts over their decision to push LGBTQ merchandise, according to Axios. That's, That's a lot of money. A $28 billion loss collectively between those threes. So, Let's break this down a bit more. Bud Light uh, moved to, according to the article, Bud Light's move to partner with the trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney resulted in immediate backlash, 20% drop in the company's share price. And uh, as far as Target and Kohl's, uh, their brands known for LGBTQ merchandise uh, during Pride Month have also taken dramatic falls as well. Target losing $15 billion in market cap 
and Kohl's losing 20% of its share price. So this 20% figure uh, seems to be consistent uh, between Bud Light, uh, Anheuser-Busch, and also uh, Kohl's. Target also taking a sizable hit. Um, of course, we've talked about this also in past episodes with Bud Light. It's, uh, it's men is their primary category of consumers of beer. And with uh, Target and Kohl's, the majority of the customers that are shopping for children's clothing, especially babies, toddlers, is going to be women. That's, this is not a surprise. So uh, this boycott is not strictly women. It's not strictly men. Uh, it affects uh, both women and men saying, no, we're not going to put up uh, with this woke agenda. Well, uh, continuing Bud Light has lost its top slot in Americans' best-selling beer for the first time in two decades. Well, too bad. Sorry about that. Yep, you didn't listen to your primary consumer. You didn't listen to your customers. And uh, that's Marketing 101. So whoever made those genius decisions at Bud Light, at uh, Anheuser-Busch, well, they should lose their jobs. Well, continuing with this story, Bud Light has also lost its top slot as America's best-selling beer for the first time in two decades. That's significant. The backlash in, uh, has resulted in $18 billion loss in market cap value, stock price drop of 20%. And then Target is facing a backlash for its LGBTQ, uh, ABC123, Baby You and Me, Pride merchandise, and is currently facing a three-year low on its stock price from $160 on May 15th uh, down to 137 on June 15th. So the market cap dropped 15 billion at one point. So I think that the point is getting across that these companies are feeling the pinch. Uh, I even have been reading other stories that some of this pride merchandise is marked down drastically just to get it out of the store marked down as much as 40, 50, 60%. So uh, keep it up. You know, they say, we've heard for years that boycotts don't work, uh, but this has certainly been an attention getter. And so I think that um, these companies are going to hopefully hesitate when we come around to June next year. Well, a couple closing comments uh, for today's program. Gender-affirming care. Hmm. Sounds a lot like the Affordable Care Act. You know, they both got that care thing going. Do you remember how they sold the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare? Well, according to The Hill, Obamacare has fallen woefully short in its grand ambition to slice health insurance premiums by $2,500 per year. Second, Obamacare supporters claimed it would drastically reduce the uninsured population. Well, unfortunately, neither of these goals occurred. This has not happened. As of this writing, and this was published in The Hill uh, in March of 2020. And the reason they put this article out, because it was the 10, 10 year anniversary of Obamacare being passed. So it was, hey, let's take a look at what's going on 10 years later. Did they hit the mark? They didn't. No, sorry. They didn't hit the mark. No, nah, that didn't happen. Uh, there are roughly 28 million Americans without health insurance. The number of those without health insurance has increased in recent years. So they didn't save $2,500 a year. Uh, the cost of healthcare went up, and more Americans are now not insured than insured. Hmm. So why did they even pass this thing in the first place? Well, getting back to the topic of gender-affirming care, and we've said that both of these initiatives have the care thing going on. Of course, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act was a law. Gender-affirming care is more of an ideology which is being pushed out uh, through the therapist community, the medical community, the pharmaceutical community. 
So what do gender-affirming care and Obamacare um, have to do with each other? Well, both gender-affirming care and Obamacare receive glowing reports and positive coverage in the mainstream media, Alphabet Networks. They did. Both narratives overpromised and underdelivered. Yeah, they did. Obamacare was clearly a massive government failure, which has contributed to the rising health care costs for millions of Americans. Gender-affirming care is even more insidious. Transgender surgeries and lifelong hormone therapy, these therapies, these modalities create a legal drug-addicted patient. Let me just say that again. The people receiving the gender-affirming care, they become drug addicts, but they are legal drug addicts, and it's legal to turn these people into drug addicts. It shouldn't be, but it is, because they have to take hormone therapy drugs for the rest of their lives. It becomes a cash cow for the pharmaceutical industry. In an article from the New York Post, this is June 24th, 2023, Lupron manufacturer, AbbV made $726 million, that's three quarters of a billion dollars, on the drug alone in 2018. So that was a number of years ago. That was 2018. AbbV has joined other major pharmaceutical companies in lobbying to keep drug prices high while virtue signaling about diversity and inclusion. Well, of course they want to keep the drug prices high because their patients, the people that have to take these drugs, they're going to take it for the rest of their lives. So why would they want the drug prices lower? Especially if their healthcare provider is going to pay for it. Just keep racking in the bucks. Transgender people require lifelong medical support, making them ideal customers for the healthcare industry. This is so insidious. This is, I'm reading from the New York Post. Let's just take a look at that again. Transgender people require lifelong medical support, making them ideal customers for the healthcare industry and the well-documented phenomenon of peer contagion. That's kids pressuring each other into thinking they're all trans. This ensures an endless supply of consumers. Well, this is the New York Post kind of summing up how kids pressure other kids to get into the cool kids club, which is, hey, we're all trans. Well, they're all talking to the same pro-trans people. They're looking at TikTok. They're looking at other uh, videos on uh, other social media platforms. And uh, look, kids have always rebelled. This is just another version this is just the latest version of rebellion against or rebelling against the past generation. But then in this case, they're getting mutilated. They're having their lower parts hacked up by the surgeon's knife. They're having their upper parts hacked up. They're taking these drugs which fight against their body, block puberty, cause all sorts of problems. And they're doing this at a very young age when these children are not legal adults. They are in their teens. And then their hormones just go crazy. Some of them commit suicide. We heard earlier a study in Sweden where the suicide rate skyrockets 19 times higher than those that do not receive this gender-affirming care. Seems like it's not very caring, gender-affirming care. I mean, who benefits from this? Well, the doctors do, the surgeons do, the medical industry does, the counselors do, the psychiatrists, the therapists do, but it seems like the patient doesn't benefit. It all leads us back to this new film, No Way Back, The Reality of Gender-Affirming Care. The documentary, which we highlighted at the beginning of today's program, if there's anything that the political left and the trans activists hate, it's rebellion from within their own ranks. And we mentioned earlier the T in LGBT. 
according to Salon.com, not exactly a right-wing news outlet, according to Salon.com, uh, it mentioned that, quote, sometime in the late 90s, that's when the T was tacked on to LGB. Well, this might be called a narrative infiltration or narrative drift because what's happened 20 years later is that the T has become more important than the LGB. Let's kind of wrap that one around our brains. The T overtook the LGB. It started out as an LGB movement, but now the T has become upfront and out there in the daily discourse. It seems like there's transgender stories in the news almost daily, almost like they want it to be TLGB instead of LGBT, which gets really confusing and hard to say. And that's why I just kind of refer to the big letter alphabet masses, ABC, baby, one, two, three, LGBT, you and me. Very confusing. This is dissension in the ranks of the political left. It's not to be tolerated. You cannot push back against the narrative. You LGB people, you're not allowed to question the trans narrative. No, no, no. It's not to be tolerated. And therefore, according to the post-millennial, quote, the Queer Trans Project posted a campaign on Instagram to have the film canceled. That's canceled in the AMC theaters. It was, as we mentioned earlier, it was supposed to roll out in June on the 21st. That didn't happen because the Queer Trans Project stepped up and complained. They posted a campaign on Instagram to have the film canceled, encouraged followers to reach out to AMC to have the film pulled. Well, what are we to make of all of this? Uh, this is a clear example that the modern-day narrative wars in the public sphere, uh, it's not a simple political left versus right dynamic. The battleground is, is also fiercely fought within ideological similar communities. Well, we're familiar with the term never-Trumpers as applied to neocons or neoconservatives, but here we have a shining example of a narrative war in the politically left-leaning sphere. And then these are people that watch your CNN, your MSNBC, listen to late-night comedy as their source of news and information. This is the new trans versus gay battle line that is being drawn. Do you doubt me? The cancellation of the screening of No Way Back, the reality of gender-affirming care in AMC theaters across America it's not an anomaly. There was an article that came out in the Daily Mail. That's a British publication. And it was reported that police told a group of lesbians to leave a gay pride march in Cardiff after an officer was filmed telling the gender-critical woman to step aside due to confrontation with the transgender marchers and their supporters. So here we go again. This was in 2022. This article came back out. There was a gay pride march, okay? And there was a gay lesbian woman, and she was pushing back against the trans agenda. And the police told the woman to step out of the march. The police personnel did not want there to be a confrontation between the lesbians and the trans people. Quote, organizers of the event, Pride Simru, C-Y-M-R-U, have since claimed the lesbian group seen displaying banners reading trans activism erases lesbians had interrupted the march and they weren't officially registered to attend. So they were holding up signs. One of the signs said trans activism erases lesbians. So here we go. It's the T fighting with the LG and the B. In this case, it's the L. The lesbians are pushing back against the trans activists. And there was about to be a fight in this parade between those two groups. So the point of all of this is that there are narrative wars continually taking place or constantly taking place. And they're not just between the political left or the political right. They're also within the right, 
and they're within the left. And this film, I'm going to take a look at this film because apparently it's backed up by quite a lot of science. And it's, um, I think it's going to be an, a very interesting uh, and informative film, No Way Back, The Reality of Gender Affirming Care. Uh, as a married heterosexual man, I do look forward to seeing this film when it becomes available. Well, as we watch the political left sort of imploding and the L's fighting against the T, we ask ourselves, what is happening in Florida and other states such as Wisconsin, which need to be applauded? DEI programs are being defunded in these state universities. Yeah, good job. They're defunding, not the police. They're defunding the DEI programs in these universities. Thanks, guys. Yeah, come by anytime. Uh, they just stand by. Um, love these guys. Uh, if you live in Florida or Wisconsin or other states where laws are being passed to defund diversity, equity, inclusion offices and programs on university campuses, you need to support these efforts. Listen, water always flows downhill. It doesn't matter if the water is fresh or if it's contaminated. Water flows downstream. And in the case of universities, this is the place where too often bad ideas are percolated, tested, perfected, and then disseminated to unsuspecting American public. The ideas flow downhill from the universities. And how are they unleashed? Well, they're unleashed via textbooks, they're unleashed via teachers who've been indoctrinated with the woke narrative. They're released, released, these ideas are released through pseudo-scientific research and academic conferences. Remember, those that write the textbooks are the ones that propagate the ideas and the worldview to the next generation. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, like Obamacare and gender-affirming care, they all promise one thing, but they deliver something else. Kind of like the shiny apple laced with poison. The proof is not in the packaging, but it's in the consumption of the product. In a January 2023 article by Heritage Foundation, it was observed that uh, the publication Anthropology Now reported hundreds of studies dating back to the 1930s suggest that anti-bias training doesn't reduce bias. More recent studies reviewed hundreds of surveys of bias training participants finds, quote, weak immediate effects on unconscious bias and weaker effects on implicit bias, unquote. Consultants Rick Kirkland, Iris Bonet, and Mc. Kinsey and company wrote that after reviewing diversity research from all over the world, they, quote, did not find a single study that found that diversity training, in fact, leads to, to more diversity. Oh, you, you mean the, the, all the academic research out there from all over the world, uh, according to these researchers, found that diversity training, in fact, does not lead to more diversity? Wow, what a surprise. Not sure I saw that one coming, did you? So why are they spending millions and millions of dollars, not only in universities, state universities, private universities, corporations, why? It's because they want to advance a certain narrative. Finally, how are we to understand the experiences of the North Korean defector, Yeonmi Park. Well, clearly she's a courageous, intelligent, and incredibly brave young woman. The terror that she endured as she and her mother escaped from human trafficking and prostitution in China is beyond imagination. But here's a more terrifying thought. Yeonmi Park, a North Korean defector, is saying that the same political ideology that was starving the people of North Korea is festering on the campus of Columbia University. Equity and fairness are being used as a hammer and sickle to indoctrinate the students 
at Columbia University. So here it is again, DEI. We see that equity. We see inclusion. We see words like fairness. But they pivot and they use it as every good communist does, like a hammer and sickle. They draw you in. They suck you in with words like equity and fairness. Oh, yeah, well, everybody wants to be fair. Everybody wants to be equitable. And then they hit you with the propaganda. And they indoctrinate students at Columbia University and hundreds of universities all over the United States of America. And they teach the students to hate America and they teach students to believe a lie that redistribution of wealth is the answer to America's problems. Classic Marxism, folks, is Marxism at its core is an economic theory. Ironically, it takes a survivor of the North Korean brutality and Marxist lies to both resist and expose the Marxist dogma, which persists on the campus of Columbia University. According to the publication Business and Politics, the Columbia Medical School has even gone so far to rewrite the Hippocratic Oath for the medical school graduates. Well, let's listen. Here's a portion of that credo. I'm going to read this to you. Quote, We enter the profession of medicine with appreciation for the opportunity to build on the scientific and humanistic achievements of the past. We also recognize the acts and systems of oppression. Oh, there it is. The haves and the have-nots, the oppression. Yep, you have to have that to push out uh, the communist dogma. We recognize the acts and systems of oppression affected in the name of medicine. We take this oath of... That means there's bad doctors out there. You doctors out there that are just treating people for diseases and helping them get better. Bad, you're bad doctors. You're pressing people. We take this oath of service to begin building a future grounded in truth. Whose truth? Restoration and equity. Oh, there it is. To fulfill medicine's capability to liberate. Well, that's what the Marxists do. They liberate people from food. They starve people. That's why Yeonmi Park and her mother escaped from North Korea. They were starving to death. They were surviving on bugs, grasshoppers, butterflies. And apparently, according to her description of the situation, uh, everybody was, I suppose, everybody was eating grasshoppers and butterflies because she said they ran out. They couldn't get any. And they couldn't get rice, and they were starving to death. And people that are starving to death do desperate things. So they decided to flee when they went to communist China. Well, here is the good news, folks. Uh, there are people like Yeonmi Park that are pushing back, that are telling the truth. If you're a parent or you know someone who's considering college, please Share this information with them. You need to be careful if you're a parent on where you send your child for higher education. And as a parent, you can still influence and be a positive influence on the next generation. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired